Baker J. Baker, who's also a doctor in psychology. And I am so excited today. Let me tell you first, I got this from Apostle Michael Graham that he does this. So I'm just going to follow his pattern. Okay. Uh, uh, share this with your friends, your family, your enemies, your those you like, those you don't like, uh, because he's going to bring forth some great stuff today and you don't want to miss it. So make sure that you do all those little sherry things or whatever it is. He doesn't say it like this because he knows what he's talking about. So do whatever it is that you need to do so that people come on and hear what he has to say. And now I'm going to present Apostle Michael Fram, my friend. Hello, my friend, Dr. Baker. How are you? I am fabulous. <laughs> okay, you're going to talk about discipleship or fathership or whatever one of those ships that you're in. <laughs> I get to, to hear. And uh, I want, oh, I want you people to know he's going to be with me all of next month and some pro and sometime in September. So just keep yourself tuned because what he's teaching and what God is bringing through him, we all need and you really need it. So I'm going to mute and let him go. Well, you know, the last two weeks, we've really been talking about foundations and beginning to get into discipleship. And one of the things that has greatly concerned me is that we've got folks in the church, church folk, you know, church attending folk, Bible reading folk, born again folk that seem like they've been saved for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and they know little or nothing. And it really just boggles my mind. And, you know, I've had people comment on, either videos that I've done or things that I've posted and say, you know, I've been saved for 10 years and I've never heard anything like that. Or I've been saved for 15 years and I've never heard anything like that. And that always just startles me. And, and I think to myself, well, dear Lord God, where have you been going to church and who have you been listening to? Because you, you just really got to gotta wonder, you know, how, do, how does this happen? And so I have this great concern for discipleship and for laying foundations. And we, we've seen that when, when there is biblical illiteracy running rampant in the church, it, it just really is a sad thing. We have more Bibles now than we have ever had. Most of us have, and I'm, I'm actually bringing one out today. This one is literally falling apart. This is my Thompson chain. NASB. And it's literally falling apart. This cover is falling apart. But it's one of my favorite Bibles. And, you know, most of us have three or four or five hard book Bibles. And now we have Bibles in our phones. We have Bibles in our tablets. We have Bibles online. And we can get a plethora of translations and it seems like with all the tools that we have, yet we have this illiteracy of the word of God. And it really comes down to laying foundations for people, and it comes down to discipleship. And so I want to pick up in that vein where we've been the last two weeks. And I want to go, we mentioned this scripture in passing, but I want to go in a little bit more depth. And I don't want to be so much preacher today. I want to be a little bit more teacher today. 
And you may say, well, well, Mike, what's the difference between a teacher and a preacher? I'm glad you asked. A teacher is one that explains and a preacher is one that proclaims. The teacher's goal is education. The preacher's goal is motivation. And so what, what happens is this, you know, the Bible says that, and I'm just setting the stage here. I'll get to Matthew 28 here in a minute, but I'm setting the stage. The Bible says that the ministry of Jesus was that he was teaching in their synagogues. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he was healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. And so Jesus did teaching, Jesus did preaching, and Jesus did healing. So if the ministry of Jesus was teaching, preaching, and healing, then guess what our ministry should be? Teaching and preaching and healing. And so what happens in the church is if all we get is teaching, we have people that are very educated and they know what to do but they lack motivation to do anything with all of the knowledge that they have received from teaching. If all we get is preaching, we have people that are highly motivated and they are ready to just run through a troop and leap over a wall. They're just ready to go, but they have no idea what they're going to do because they didn't have anybody do any teaching and they end up being an accident going somewhere to happen. But if we get a balance of both teaching and preaching, now we have people that know what to do and are motivated to do it. So the last two weeks, we've really been more in a preaching or a proclaiming mode, which is for motivation. In fact, most folks tell me now that I go back and forth from teaching to preaching and preaching to teaching multiple times. with the, So now they've told me that what I do is I preach. T-R-E-A-C-H. They've made up a new word just for me. So apparently that's what I do. But I think today I'm going to be more of a teacher. So in Matthew 28, I'm going to start in verse 18 of Matthew 28. And again, I'm reading this out of the New American Standard Bible. This is my Thompson chain, NASB. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, there's a couple of things that we want to pull out of this. The first thing is, and this is, this is a Mama Edith thing. This is something my mama drilled into me. Whenever you see the word therefore, you've got to find out what the therefore is there for. And in verse 19, Jesus said, 
go therefore. So what's the therefore therefore? That therefore is a conjunction. And it's based on what I have just said. Now this. It's joining what he's fixing to say right now to what he just got done saying. And so we have to go back into the previous verse. This is what the Bible teachers and those that practice something known as hermeneutics. And all hermeneutics is, it sounds like a big word, all it means is it is the art and the science of correct Bible interpretation. And say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, Paul told Timothy, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you can rightly divide, then that also means you can wrongly divide. And so we want to practice rightly dividing. And so when Jesus says, therefore, he is going back and tying what he's about to say in verse 19 to what he just said in verse 18. If you're reading a red letter edition, you will notice that verse 18, 19, and 20 are all in red. There's no break. There's nothing in all those words are red because Jesus was making one discourse or one statement. So we go back in the context. The context, which you can't take something out of the context and then just make it stand alone. That is what's called wrongly dividing the word of truth. That's bad Bible interpretation. And so we go to the previous verse in the context. And in verse 18, this is what Jesus said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So based on the fact that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth, now, now he's talking to the disciples who became the apostles. He's talking to them. Because all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth, you is the understood subject. It's not mentioned, but that's who he's addressing. Say, how do you know that? Because I can read. And in verse 16, in the context, it says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. Verse 17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Again, you is the understood subject. So you meaning who? According to the context, meaning the 11 disciples. And you may say, but I thought there were 12. Well, there were originally, but one of them was a devil. And one of them betrayed Jesus and went and hung himself. So now there's 11 because one was no longer numbered among them. You remember in Acts chapter 1, they decided they had to get somebody to go and take Judas's place. 
but it was the 11 that came to him at a designated place. And as they came to him, they worshipped him. And now he begins his final discourse to them before his ascension. And he's giving them instructions. These are like the last instructions that Jesus has for the 11. And he tells them, all authority is mine. It's all been given to me. Now, because all authority has been given to me, you go, therefore. In other words, you're not now going in your authority. You are going in my authority. Why am I keep going back and stressing the things that are in the context? Because if you pull the text out of the context, all you are left with is a con. If you pull the text out of the context, you're left with a con. And so we've had a lot of people that have been conned because they haven't learned to take the text in the midst of the context. So because Jesus has all authority and he gives it to the disciples, now they're commissioned, you go therefore in my authority. All authority has been given to me, now you go. You go do what I did. And now he tells them, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, this word nations that we see, it, it could it's actually from the Greek word ethnos, which is where we get our word ethnicity from. It can be every every tribe or every kindred or every tongue or every people group. I want you to go to every people group. See, the, the Jews, they had a, a mindset. And we see that it even permeated the church all the way until we get to Acts chapter 9 and 10. Peter still had a Jewish mindset and didn't get the instruction that Jesus gave. Jesus said, I want you to go to every ethnos, to every people group. And you remember that, that Peter was up on the rooftop and he fell into a trance. And out came or down came this sheet out of heaven with all of these animals that the Jews considered as unclean. And so the voice comes to Peter and says, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, not so, Lord. Could you imagine knowing that the Lord is talking to you and giving you an instruction and your answer is not so, Lord? Now, don't look all religious because you and I have both done that where the Lord has told us something to do and we said, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And there's examples all through the word of God of people that said no. I remember, boy, I'm just going off now. But I remember when, when God began to change my office the first time, and he changed my function from evangelist to prophet after many years of functioning as an evangelist. It was around the year 2000. 
And God began to deal with me that he wanted me to switch from being an evangelist to a prophet. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. That's Brother Hagin's office. He can have it. I don't want it. We've all done it. We've all said no. And that's what Peter did. Not so, Lord. Nothing unclean has ever crossed my lips. And again, vision, voice. Arise, Peter. Kill and eat. Not so, Lord. Three times this happens. Then the vision leaves. It's taken away from him. And now the spirit speaks to him and he says, three men are downstairs and they are looking for you. I have sent them. I don't even want you to think about it. Don't even have any misgivings. I have sent them. Go with them. No questions asked. Now he recognizes the spirit is speaking to him and he says, yes, that didn't offend his mindset, but the unclean animals offended his mindset. And so he argued against it. Now he gets to Cornelius's house. And as he comes in the door, he said, now I see. Now I understand that this is not just for the Jewish people. This is not just the Jewish kingdom. But whoever the Lord shall call, this is open to them. But see, he commissioned them in Matthew 28. He said, I want you to go to every ethnicity. This is not just about the Jews anymore. That's why the Bible says, Whosoever will may come. But the Jews still had a Jewish mindset that they were God's chosen people and it was just for them. So God had to break their mindset, break their paradigm to get them involved in his kingdom program that expanding the kingdom was not just of and for the Jews, but now it was for whosoever. And it took Peter all the way to Acts chapter 10 to have the light bulb go off over his head. Oh, I see it. God, it's not just for us. It's for whomever. But Jesus told them that all the way back here in Matthew 28. And so he tells them, go to every ethnicity. And again, we're just going to repeat this. We've said it before, but it doesn't say race. This is not a racial thing. This is not about race. It's not about black and white. That's it's not right. about whether you're Hispanic or Latino. This is about every ethnicity. Again, there's another place in the Bible. It says every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. That's who this is for. And the instruction is because all authority is given unto me. Now you go, therefore, in that authority. I am delegating my authority to you. And now you are authorized as my representative to go in my authority and you are authorized to make disciples. Notice he said make. 
He didn't say raise up. He didn't say go find disciples. He said go and make disciples. That's an interesting word. Make is an action word. And I think what we've done is we have made converts, but we haven't made disciples. See, Mark 16 teaches us to go and preach the gospel to every creature. And those that have believed and been baptized shall be saved. And those that don't will not. And we have focused all of our emphasis and all of our effort on introducing people to Jesus and getting them saved. But all we've done is made converts. But now that they're born again, now that they've been born of the water and the spirit, and they have gained entrance into a new kingdom, because the Bible says that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So we've got people that we've led into the born-again experience. We have converts, but that means all they are is a baby Christian. And the instruction in Matthew 28 was go and make disciples. We haven't done that. We haven't made disciples. And I think because we've had very poor discipleship paradigms, we've had convert paradigm, not disciple paradigm. Let, let me just kick another cow while I'm at it. And if you want to go, you can, because I'm fixing to kick a cow right now. We have focused on making members and not making sons. Because the Bible says that as many as received him, to them he gave the power or the right or the authority to be called sons of God. He didn't say they have the right to become members of the first church. Didn't say you can be first Baptist or first Methodist or first assembly or first church of what's happening now. <laughs> no, He's, he gave them the right to be called sons. And so we focused on converts and members instead of disciples and sons. And the purpose of disciples is to cause us to grow and to develop to the point that we grow into sonship. When you got born again, you became a son. But it's just like, you know, I have a son right now in the natural. He's 17. He's fixing to be 18 in about a month and a half. He will turn 18. He'll have his 18th birthday on September the 7th. He just graduated from high school. He's bigger than me. He's about six, one and a half and about 230 pounds. And when I got him his tux for his prom, he had to get a 48 suit jacket. He's got shoulders that are out there like this. You'd think he's wearing shoulder pads. Now, you know, he didn't come out of the womb like that. 
all the ladies said, oh, thank God. God, no. He, he came out of the womb like a little loaf of bread that weighed about eight and a half pounds, which was big enough. And I brought this little loaf of bread home from the hospital. And they wouldn't even let me take him home until they made sure he was in the right kind of seat and he was strapped in right. And then they said, okay, Mr. Fram, that's good. You got the right kind of seat. You can bring him home. And so this little loaf of bread through years of development, years of instruction, years of hand-on nurturing, years of correction, years of imparting wisdom, years of imparting principles, years of love, he has grown and developed from a loaf of bread into six, one and a half and 230 pounds. It did not happen overnight, but it happened through a process of discipleship. And now he is a fully grown son. Well, the kingdom is exactly like it is in the natural. God intends for those that get born again, that are converted, that have had the gospel preached to them so that faith has come, so that they could believe. And man, I got scriptures going and I don't want to chase too many rabbits, but it would be really easy. But once that happens, now our job is to not just go and preach the gospel so that they get saved. But now our job is to go and make disciples. Make action word. That means we have a part to play in whether or not people literally become disciples. Now, see, we've used as a definition of disciple as a follower of Jesus. That's a really watered down definition of the word disciple as a follower of Jesus. Yes, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, but it is so much more than a follower of Jesus. How are we on time? What do we have? About a minute left? No, you have uh, about three and a half minutes. I have three and a half minutes. Okay. I want to make sure that I don't go off on a tangent that I can't tie up for this broadcast. And we can always pick this up next week. And so making them disciples of every ethnos. Now, now here's something folks are going to argue about right here. I'm, I'm not even going to go any further, but Look at the next phrase in verse 19. We'll pick up from here next week. But it said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And now you got people today that they argue over, well, how are we supposed to baptize people? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? What did the head of the church say? What was his instruction? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then you have folks that say, well, you know, in the book of Acts, it says that, you know, they baptized them in Jesus' name. So are we really going to argue 
and split hairs and not have fellowship over whether we do it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or if we do it in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you what my daddy did years ago. He said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name and covered all the bases. <laughs> We're going to pick this up because it ain't worth arguing over. We've got a kingdom to advance. We'll pick this up next week right in verse 19 and verse 20. And I want to get into the Greek and the Hebrew because we're, I got a notice that says we've got a minute to go. And Dr. Baker, I want you to go ahead and tie this up. <laughs> okay. I want you people to really uh, uh, be here next week. And if this has been a blessing to you in any way, uh, there's the information that you can give and seed into this. I just want you to tell your friends and all of them this time, this station tomorrow, Apostle Michael's program is at what time? 5.30 Eastern, 2.30 Pacific. Right. He follows me. Uh, again, I, I'm on um, uh, the tell it like it, still telling it like it is. So anyway, we will be back next week when we're here to really tell it like it is. Bye-bye.